0: Thank you for listening to the Calvary Chapel Lubbock podcast. Our mission of teaching people to love God by showing them how much He loves us starts right now.
1: Church, as we continue our verse-by-verse study in the Gospel of John, and we now come to chapter 4, today we discover a woman who has to come to a well, but this woman represents, I think, a lot of what we see in the world. You go, what do you mean, pastor? Well, here's a woman that we're going to meet today, and to be honest with you, she's been really, really hurt by life circumstances. She's been really, really hurt, and she's broken. And you go, how so? Well, see, like you and I, We are created in the image of God, the Imago Dei, but somewhere along the line, church, I believe this woman, well, she did something that that we all see happen. You go, what's that? She began to embrace and walk in her broken image. We were created in the image of God, and somehow she goes, oh, I'm going to embrace and walk in that brokenness. She began to accept her sin, and she began to accept her failures. This is who I am. This is what's going to be. But she also failed to realize, now listen to me, that she was created in the image of God. Pastor, what do you mean? I don't know if you know this or not, and I think the enemy tries to rob us of this. We are we are created in God's image. Every one of us is created in God's image. When he created you, I mean, you, you are the image of almighty God and he creates us this way. And somehow, as life comes in, we realize that we're still broken. Guys, the Bible teaches us that we're made in the image of God, we're created. And when sin entered the world, guess what? We've said this a thousand times, it fractured everything and everyone. Do you realize that when Adam and Eve, it was much, much more than, hey, Adam, how you doing? Here, eat this. And all of sin came in. It was much more than that because it fractured even creation. It fractured everything. It fractured you. It fractured me. And now we being created in the image of God are, well, we're broken images of the one who created us. You guys tracking with me? Now, If you're taking note, guys, there are two things that are even worse about just being broken images. Two things. You go, what's that? Number one, there are many people who continue a life of brokenness, a life of hurt, despair, depression, isolation, sin, and regret. You go, what do you mean? Well, much, much more than going, okay, I realized that I was born, I was created in the image of God. They continue in that lifestyle, much like the woman. They, they're hurt, they're broken, they're, they're, they're depressed, and they got all this going on. But another thing that's even worse, guys, is there are people around them that see that situation, see people like that, and here's what happens. They devaluate them in their journey. Oh, we're just gonna write them off. Yeah. Yeah, no, no, no. Yeah, I've seen them. Then they're never gonna change. Have you told them about Jesus? No, they're not. You know what? This is They've always been like this. And so let's move on to somebody who we think is more valuable. You guys tracking with me? So you've got people walking in this, in the brokenness, in the hurt, and, and, and who they think they are. And then you've got other people who are watching their journey going, uh-huh, no, 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 move along. You, God can't use you. God can't save you. We see that happening, and you go, How so? Well, let me illustrate it this way. It reminds me of a story of a farmer, okay? This Louisiana farmer had this wonderful pet mule. Loved this pet mule. This was his favorite pet mule. Well, one day, the mule guess what? It fell in a well. Ironically enough, it fell in a well, and so the farmer was distraught. He's like, oh my gosh, and looks around. He just just didn't have any help. The next uh, neighbor was miles away, and he sees this mule, and this mule's just sitting there going, get me out of here, and the farmer realized that he could not get the mule out, and the only humane thing he should do is bury the mule. So he gets in his truck and loads it up with dirt and backs it up to the well heartbreaking and begins to shovel dirt onto the mule. And the mule's going, what is going on? And as dirt falls on him, he's shaking it off and he's like, stop that. And he keeps doing it he keeps doing it and he keeps shaking it and he keeps trampling it and, trampling it and trampling it and trampling it and trampling it. The farmer comes back, truck after load, truck load, truck load, until he realizes that every time he poured dirt on the mule, he shaked it off and he got a little bit higher a little bit higher, a little bit higher. Eventually, after several truckloads of dirt, the mule simply walks on out, saved and free. You're like, what? Here's the point, guys. The mule reached the top a little bit dirtier, but wiser. Well, what's the point, Pastor? Jot this down. What was intended to bury it turned out to be its salvation. What was intended to bury it turned out to be its salvation. Everybody got that, right? Why? Because that's going to be pertinent in our story. What was intended to bury this meal ended up being his salvation. And that's where we find our Lord and Savior Jesus today. Where's that, Pastor? Well, there was a woman. There was a woman, guys, who the world intended to bury She was broken. She was a broken image of God, if you will. You could say this woman was unloved. She was hurt. She was damaged, defaced. But the very thing this woman ran from or hid from was the very thing, guys, that Jesus wanted to heal. Do you see that? You see what was intended to bury her, the insults, the outcasts, the hurt, the brokenness, the very things that that the world intended to just forget it, move along, you're no good, you're was the very thing that Jesus would use to save her. And you're going, "Wow, pastor, I mean, you could be speaking of my life." Keep that in mind as we go through our story, because we pick it up in verse 1 of chapter 4. Jesus has a divine appointment. Notice verse 1. Therefore, when the Lord knew that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus made and baptized more disciples than John though Jesus himself did not baptize but his disciples he left Judea and departed again to Galilee now your attention please if you remember last week there was this big old fight going on between John the Baptist disciples and who and the Jews about purification and so they come running to John John the 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 the, the guy cries to him over there. He's baptizing people, and, and all are coming to him. And do you remember how John squelches that? Do you remember what he says? John says, guys, you, you're troubled and worried about many things. He says, no, 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 here's the deal. Listen, he must increase, I must decrease. He says, it's all about Jesus. And his disciples are like, what? <laughs> what? It's about Jesus, guys. Well, of course, you know, them having Facebook back then, it all spread. Okay. And so Jesus catches wind. His disciples are like, Hey, Jesus, I just read online that, uh, you know, there's a, there's a dispute. John the Baptist and his disciples over what's going on here. So Jesus is like, Oh, Evie. And notice what it says. It says, Jesus is not into keeping score. He's not worried about who's making, who's baptizing. Jesus came with his mission in line. And here's my point to you guys. Let's be careful in our relationships that we don't keep score. Anybody with me? Where does that happen mostly? In marriage relationships. You keep score. Well, you did this, so I get to do this. And you did this, this, and this, and so therefore this, this. He says, no, no, no. We're we're not supposed to keep score. We're supposed to be on mission. What's our mission? Our mission is to glorify the Lord, walk in obedience, love Jesus, tell others, and let that, let our marriages, let our relationships be unto the glory of God. Well, Guess what? The Lord says, no, let's, let's get out of here. I don't, want, I don't want to trip up any people by them thinking we're doing something. I mean, you know, let's go. Let's go. And so he says, let's leave, let's leave Judea and let's go to Galilee. Let's go. We've got, we've got somewhere to be anyway. Now, a lot of people would look at this and go, Well, I don't think Jesus wanted to confront the Jews. He didn't want to come and say, look at you. It's not about baptism. But I, on the contrary, he had an appointment that he had to keep. You go, what do you mean? There was a woman who desperately needed fixing, and Jesus had an appointment with her. How do you know? Look at verse 4. You guys see it? But Jesus needed to go through Samaria. If you're not afraid to write in your Bible, that's a good place to underline needed. Why? Well, there's a lot of things we want to do There's a lot of things we often do, but there are very few things we need to do. Yet Jesus needed to go through Samaria. He needed to go there. Now, keep this in mind, okay? Keep this in mind. This is just very interesting. Why? Because the Jews never wanted to travel through Samaria. They didn't want to go there. They would do whatever it took. Like, like, if you were to get your Google Maps out, right, and go straight, it would, it would tell you, you know, calculating route. It would say, go straight on up through Samaria. The Jews are like, no, Google. I will do everything that I possibly can to go around that. We don't want anything to do with Samarians. They're, they are not even Jewish people. We just, no. We'll, we'll, as a matter of fact, and I could imagine, could you imagine? Could you imagine Jesus getting his disciples, his posse around? He's like, hey, guys, we got to go up to the Galilee. And they're like, okay. He says, but guess what? I need to go through Samaria. And the guy's are like, what? Right? And you probably have, there was probably a geek in the group, right? And and he pulled out, he pulled out his phone and he said, Jesus, listen, I know that Google Maps say go straight up, but listen, there's several good eating places along the Jordan River. I'll even buy you tacos or something, Jesus. Let's go this way. Let's go. And Jesus is like, no. I have an appointment. I have an appointment. You see, Jesus' church needed to go through Samaria. Why? Why did he need to go to Samaria? Guys, he had an appointment with a soul that was hurt, and a soul that was insecure, and a soul that was vulnerable, and a soul that was lost. Guys, we deal with those every day. There are a lot of people in our lives that are lost and broken and insecure. Oh, church, that we would have eyes to see like Jesus. We would have eyes to see like Jesus. Can I just say this to you? If you don't know this, I pray it enters and you feel the weightiness in your heart. Jesus, guys, will always go to those who are hurt, vulnerable, and lost. He needed to go. He didn't want it. He needed to go. And I know a lot of people go, oh, well, that's good for them, Ben. But, but there's a lot of us in this room that that are hurt right now and broken and insecure. And you're a little bit vulnerable and some of us might even be lost. And Jesus, guys, our Lord and Savior can come to you and walk in you. And heal you. Verse 5. So when he came to the city of Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph, now Jacob's well was there, therefore, or Jesus, therefore, being wearied from his journey, sat thus by the well, and it was about the sixth hour. Now, to you and I, we go, okay, well, Jesus went to a well. Here's what I need you to see. I need you to, I need you to read this like, guys, like if you're there, okay? You need, you need to see it like if you're watching a movie. If, if you go, yeah, woman at the well, heard it before, let's check out, or whatever, you know, don't, don't, don't check out on me, guys, cause you gotta see something really, really interesting here. You go, what's that? Number one, we see that Jesus goes to this well. But what I love about this verse is, notice what it says. It says, Jesus being wearied from his journey. Everybody see that? And that just spoke volumes to me. Why? Because it showed me that Jesus was human, just like me. And you go, what does that mean? I was thinking about it this morning, and I go, you know what? All the struggles that I have, all the pain in my heart, all the worriness, he understands. And when I get tired... He knows what it feels like to be tired. But let me take it one step further, a little bit out of context, if you don't mind. I'm standing way over here. A little bit out of context, but I believe some of you came here today and you're tired from your journey. You know, what do you mean? Oh, not a walk to a well, but you're you're tired of this journey called life. And you're just like, are you serious? I know, Pastor, I am. I mean, it's like... It's like crazy. I feel like life is one wave after another, and I'm just tired, and I know how you feel. I know how you feel. As a matter of fact, guys, the other day when, when we were on vacation, I was actually in the Atlantic Ocean a week before Irma came. Amen. But I learned something from the ocean about life. You go, what was that? Number one... The farther I walked into the ocean, the deeper, the harder the waves came. You guys with me? Okay, so so as you walk a little bit deeper in this life, as you walk a little bit deeper with Jesus, you realize that, okay, life's, here's what I've learned. I've learned two things. I learned that the waves, let's just call the waves life, okay? You're walking, here's the journey. I noticed that they didn't just come straight on. I noticed that there was a wave to the left and I noticed there was a wave to the right and one time it would come this way and if I wasn't paying attention, I would get slammed by this wave. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Number two, what I learned about the ocean, what I learned about the journey in life. Never turn your back on a a wave. You know what I'm talking about? Okay, I'm done playing. I'm tired. If you turn back, turn around and go back, the wave does not respect you. You never turn your back on a giant wave. And a lot of people, guys, turn. You guys with me? A lot of people will turn their back on life. I quit. I'm tired of this journey. And yet the waves of life will continue to knock you down. I said, wow, Lord, you spoke, isn't that the truth? Isn't that the truth? And Jesus, guys, Jesus says, I'm tired. And some of you came here and you go, I'm tired, man, I'm tired. Well, if you have a pencil handy, I love what Jesus tells us. Guys, jot this down. Matthew chapter 11, verse 28 says this. Come to me, Jesus says, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. What a great verse. Jesus is saying, those of you that are struggling and you feel like the weight of the world is on you, says, come to me, I'm gonna give you rest. Come to me. Another verse says, cast all your cares upon him. Why? Because he cares for you. Guys, we need to learn to cast our cares. We need to learn to rest. Take our burdens and come to him. Life is going to be hard, but... There's joy in the journey if we'll let it, we let it. Well, back to our story, guys, real important. Jesus comes up north to Samaria, sits by the well. What time is it? He says it's about the what? The sixth hour. Does anybody know what time that is? That's noon, okay? You go, so pastor, what's the point? Let me say this to you. It was noon, the middle of the day where the sun is the hottest, okay? If you've ever gone to the Judean desert up in the... Part of that Samaria area, it's rocky, it's dirt, and once that sun comes up, it can be super duper hot. Okay? You go, okay, well, that's great. I won't go there. Well, here's what we do find we find that at noon on a hot day, verse 7, a woman of Samaria came to draw water. What? And there's Jesus. And she didn't know this, but Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. For the disciples had gone away to buy food. Wow, check that out, right? So Jesus is sitting alone at a well, and the woman comes to draw water. And so then Jesus asks her for a drink of water. That blows my mind. Why? Because I think God's giving us some nugget of truth. You go, what's that? Guys, listen, listen. What's Jesus' purpose? His main focus is he wants to see people live victorious. Amen? He wants to see them walk in victory. He wants to see them, he's died for them. He wants them to have abundant life. And so what does Jesus do? He wants to win her. He wants to win her for the kingdom. And I love what he does. He builds a bridge. Why? Jesus could have asked her for anything. There he is sitting at the well, and here comes the lady with the water pot, and he just said, hey, have you guys seen my disciples? I'm hungry. He should have, they should have brought food by now. Have you seen that? He didn't say that, did he? He looked at her and he smiled and he said, Hey, can I have a drink? Can I have a drink? He built a bridge. Now, we got to talk about this lady for a minute. Why? Because I think we're all like the lady at one point in our lives. You go, what do you mean? Here's a lady. Okay. Let's, let's chat about this lady. Okay. I want you to notice with me that she's at the well at the wrong hour. Okay. You didn't go get water. You didn't draw water at noon. It's too hot. It's too hot. You go, well, what, what, what would happen? I mean, why, why, why not 12? Well, here's what would happen. Okay. Culturally in that day, here's what would happen. All the women would get up early in the morning. They would gather together, all these women, and they would all walk to the well together. And they did that as a community. Why? Because on their way to the well, they would be talking about things. They would be talking about their husbands. They would talk about their children. Togetherly, together, early in the morning, that's what they would do. They would be showing each other Pinterest ideas. They would be swapping recipes as they walked to the well. This is what Do we not do that today? Only we don't gather early in the morning. We just... Do it that other way, but that's exactly what they were doing. They'd be like, "Oh, did you see little Johnny kick that soccer ball? It was such a wonderful game. I'm so glad you were there. Me too. We should get together and, bur- and we and we and we should barbecue some steaks. Yeah, that's a good idea. But this woman's not there. Why? Because she's an outcast. She's not there. This woman's not with them. And you know what I've learned? I learned that this woman, I, I, it kind of freaked me out. Why? If you're going to, if you have a task at hand, you're going to try to get to that task and back as soon as possible. You guys with me? But this woman, you know what? There were closer wells to her house. She chose the farthest well from her house because she didn't want to be ridiculed and she didn't want to um, listen to all of She it. I mean, think about it, guys. She would do anything she could to avoid the judgment and the ridicule and being a social outcast. You go, what does that mean? Let's just say her, and he, you ready? Spoiler alert, but you're here anyway. Her live-in boyfriend is sitting on the couch and he's sitting there. He's like, you know, babe, you know what I'd really like? I'd like a big gulp. Can you go, can you go to the 7-Eleven and buy me a big gulp? I'm really thirsty. Ah, really? (laughs) Drink water. No, I really want a big gulp. Come on. But the women in the town are going to look at me and judge me. They're going to ridicule me. They're going to disrespect me. But, But sweetie, if you love me. So she picks She picks a well farthest away where she knows nobody's there. I just, isn't that crazy? (laughs) Isn't that crazy? And I'm sure, I'm sure there was music going on that day. And I was thinking, I was thinking, you know what? She's picking the farthest, well, she better put on some, she better put on some headphones, right? She better put on some music. That's a long walk. And I was thinking, well, the way all the other women treat her, but the way, you know, I mean, you know how it is. And and I mean, I just think, well, how would we treat her? You know, if you saw this woman at Walmart or you saw her, you know, buying groceries, how would, would, would we would we do the same thing? It's like, look at her. I'm, you, you know that girl? She's immoral. She's living with her boyfriend. Well, I, I would never do that. Oh, she's right behind me, isn't she? Hurry. Come on, kids. Am I speaking truth? So I wonder, you know, all of you are all serious, but I wonder, you know, I wonder what song, I wonder what song she would be listening to as she made her way to the well. And I kind of came up with this song. I bet she was listening to Taylor Swift, huh? She was listening to Shake It Off, wasn't she? She's going to say, haters going to hate, 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 hate. She's going to shake it off, shake it off. That's what she's listening to, right? Because she's not going to listen to all. She's been hurt. And so she's like, Psh, I don't care. I'm going to the well. I'm going to get you some water. But I wonder what he would be listening to. You know what he'd be listening to? he would probably be listening to Justin Bieber, don't you think? Love yourself, right? My mama don't like you and she likes everyone. So you got this whole thing going on. Now, I know what some of you are thinking. Man, that's so 2015. I know. I pick songs that are old. As a matter of fact, nothing. I watched a movie that was 2001. We're getting closer. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. So this woman, guys, was a social outcast, and she finds the farthest well so she can avoid the other women. She doesn't have to face the hurt and the judgment, condemnation, and the snickering of all the townspeople. But we have one exception. You go, what's that? Guys, Jesus, the Savior of the world, is waiting for her. And I want you to jot this down, guys, because I think it's I think it's it's pertinent for our day. This woman came to the well in the hottest part of the day to avoid judgment. You everybody got that? Can I just say this to you? Broken people often avoid judgmental people. Broken people will often avoid judgmental people. And that's why we have, what do we say here, guys? Loving people back to life. That's what we're called to do. We're called to love people back to life. And we don't want people to avoid us. We want people to run to us. And our job is not to go, oh, look at you, but to love them back to life. Well, they start this dialogue. Look, verse 9. Then the woman of Samaria said to Jesus, How is it that you, being a Jew, ask a drink of me, a Samaritan woman? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. And can I just say this? She's right. She's exactly right. Why? Well, first of all, guys, a man, as a man, he spoke to her as a woman. Okay, that would never happen in the Middle East. Number two, as a rabbi, he spoke to her as an immoral woman. And then, of course, as a Jew, he spoke to her as a Samaritan. So when she goes, why are you talking to me? That is absolutely right. That is absolutely right. But I love that Jesus didn't leave it there, right? Hey, why are you talking to me? You're right. I'm Jesus. Why don't you get your water and move along? He didn't do that. Why? Because that's not our Savior. Notice what he says. And Jesus answered to her, if you knew the gift of God... And who it is that says to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. Guys, that is so that is so packed full of what we need. And you go, why? He's looking at her, and he's got this love. Jesus, the man of joy, is looking at her, and here's what he's saying. He's saying, you don't know me. If you knew me, you would be asking me for this living water. I want you to know me. Amen. listen, that's going to translate over, you go, what? Over, over many decades into 2017. And here's what the word of God is saying. Do you know Jesus? Do you know him? Because that's going to, he's going to one that's going to give you living water. You go, living water? Yeah. Because she looks at him and she says, really, Jesus? Right? That's the translation. Why? She said, sir, <laughs> um, excuse me. Hello. You have nothing to draw with. And the well is deep, right? Captain Obvious is like, look, you don't even have a spoon. How could you be giving me this living water? And he says, are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us this well and drank from himself, as well as the sons and his livestock? And look what Jesus said. Jesus says, whoever drinks of this water will thirst again. But whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst. But the water that I shall give him will become become in him, notice that, a fountain of water springing up to everlasting life. Can I have your attention, please? Church, listen to me. Jesus is not talking about physical water. Why? Because he told her. Captain Obvious says, whoever drinks of this water will thirst again. We know that. Guys, we drink water and tomorrow we'll drink water again and then we'll, why? Because whoever drinks physical water will get thirsty again. That's cool. So what's he talking about? two things. You guys ready? Jot this down. Number one, he's talking about abundant life. You go, what's abundant life? Is that is that where I have everything? No, 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 no. Here's what it means. Abundant life is that you have a life filled with peace and joy and Jesus walking with you every single day. That's abundant life, man. You wake up and you know that Jesus is with you. You go to sleep, you know that he's been with you. You know that you can talk to him. He will guide you in your decisions. That's abundant life. Why? Because that in abundance is everything we need. That's the first thing. The second thing he says, he says, not only you have abundant life, but you're going to have eternal life. Eternal life. Can we talk heaven for just a moment? Can we talk heaven for just a moment? Okay. Here's, here's our mentality when it comes to heaven, church. Here's, here's our mentality. We think that heaven is a reward for being obedient here on earth. If I just follow Jesus, then I'll get to heaven. And everybody. that's how we feel. Hey, if you just be obedient to Jesus, then you'll get a reward of heaven. Heaven is not a reward. It's a gift. And when you accept Jesus into your heart, he gives you this gift. So eternal life is already yours in Christ. Do not let the enemy come and rob you. Well, you just, we're obedient to Jesus because we love him, not because we're hoping, oh, let me just cross my toes and my fingers. I hope I get eternal life. I hope I get to go to heaven. Heaven is there. And let me just say this to you. Heaven is not heaven unless Jesus is there. And I was just like, wow, wow. Hey, if you knew the gift of God, guys, if you're walking in the gift of God, you would right now, guys, be having that abundant peace in your heart. I'm not saying your life would be easy. I'm not saying there ain't consequences in your life. What I'm saying is you'd have the peace that surpasses all understanding and you would know beyond a shadow of a doubt, okay, I'm going to heaven. I'm going to heaven. But pastor, I had a bad thought. Had a bad attitude yesterday. Right? Right. Uh, funny thing, yesterday we, in the men's group, we were talking about bumper stickers, right? Put these bumper stickers on your car. Put a bumper sticker on your car. But 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 listen, if you put a bumper sticker, you guys better drive right. <laughs> and it's like, because if somebody sees that you have a Calvary Chapel bumper sticker and you just happen to be speeding. Well wow. uh, that's not the gospel, is it? You know what I say, put a bumper sticker, live your life, trust Jesus that's what the cross is for. Now, don't get me wrong, Pastor Ben said I could drive like a maniac that's not what I'm saying. okay, Pastor Ben said, I can cut people off and talk to them, and then you know <laughs> anyways that's not what I'm saying. what I'm saying guys is don't let. We're not so we're not so strapped to rules and regulations because because our faith and trust is in the gift of Jesus. You know the gift of God. And the woman says, Sir, give me this drink that I'm not thirst or wait, come here to draw. She's she's missing it, church. She's missing it. Why? Why? Because this woman is hurting. She desires healing, but she's missing the point. Why? Because her heart thinks that if she has this living water, she can avoid judgment and ridicule that she's been facing all of her life. How so? She never has to go out again. Give me this living water and I'll never have to come to the well again. And I'll never have to see that person and that person and this person and this person. I'll never have to be judged. Give me this living water, Lord, and I'll never have to come here to draw. Well, stay tuned, guys, because it's going to get deep. Notice what Jesus says. And Jesus looked at her, and he said, go call your husband and come here. And the woman answered and said, I have no husband. And Jesus said, amen. You, you, you said, well, I have no husband, for you've had five husbands, and the one whom you have now is not your husband. In that, you truly spoke. Don't you just love Jesus? He's like, you told the truth, amen. But if, if I was in class... In an evangelism class, I'd raise my hand right here and go, Jesus, what are you doing? This is not how you win people to Jesus. This is not how you win people to you, right? Because I'm in an evangelism class with Jesus. You go, what did he do? He's going to bring up her past. He's going to bring up her past and her present. Jesus, listen, listen, we're trying to win people to Christ. We're trying to, um, let's, let's talk more about water. Let's talk about We're in a well. You know what Jesus says? Hey, uh, go call your husband. What? Why would you bring that up? Now, you know I don't have a husband, or I'm sure he does, but he's like, she's like, I, I don't have a husband. He goes, amen. You told the truth. Says, so as a matter of fact, you had five. What? And you're living with this guy. You go, pastor, what's going on here? Guys, if you're wanting to win converts, I don't think this is the way to do it. Because he just touched, he just touched a tender, hurting heart. Listen, if I'm going to try to win you to Jesus and take you out for coffee, I'm not going to start with, let's talk about your past. Tell me about all the ugly stuff you've done. Right? Well, I'm not going to do that. Why? Because nobody's going to talk about that. Well, let me tell you, I used to be a dirty, hurting, and run. You know, we're not. We're like, excuse me, let's talk about your past. So why did Jesus do this? Well, here's our problem, guys. We all want to be transparent, but vulnerable and insecure. We're going to hide at all costs. Why don't you touch, you don't touch a tender, hurting heart, but let me tell you this, Jesus does. And you go, why, Pastor? Because he is going after the space in her heart that only he can heal. You guys see that? Jesus is going after that tender spot that she doesn't want anyone to touch. He knows where that spot is. We're talking water. So, okay, give me living water. You'll have living water. It'll brush all over you. Oh, by the way, go call your husband. Ah! Why would you bring that up? He goes, because I want to heal you. Because I know you're hurting. I want to heal you. You see, Jesus is the only one that can touch the very tender and broken and hurting heart because it's in his touch that he brings healing. You guys see that? You see that? I mean, that's why. Why? Now, I wish the story went, and so she starts crying, and she runs to Jesus, and, and and that's not what happens, does she? What does she do? She does the same thing that every one of us does when we're caught with what? When we, I mean, think about it. She's hurting. Why? Because she's had five husbands. She's living with this guy. She knows it's wrong. And every one of us in this room go, yep, immoral woman. But can I give you three reasons why I think that, that maybe she's living with this guy? Can I give you three reasons? Jot this down if you're taking note. What if all of her husbands dies? Had we considered that? You see, back in this day, a lot of the husbands wouldn't live very long and she got married at a young age and he died and he died and you go, P- Pastor, that's preposterous. Are you serious? But what if? What if? I mean, think about it, guys. If you've, if you've had a spouse die... If you had a spouse die, I mean, it's hard for you to get remarried. It's like, I'm not going to get remarried. I buried one. I buried two. There's no way. Can you imagine if, I mean, that would, we'd be like, okay, well, she's just not going to bury a six. She's going, I no, I'm done. I've buried five. Or, or how about this? Number two, what if, what if this woman just made some bad choices in her life? We know all about bad choices, right? What if she made some bad choices? She compromised her beliefs early on. She got married right away. It ended in divorce. And so that just led to another bad choice and another bad choice and another bad choice. And at this point, she's just like, No. Not happening. Or how about number three, guys? What if she was? What if she was an immoral woman, a perpetual adulterer? What if she was? And the problem is that she couldn't get past that. You go, what do you mean? She she had convinced herself, I'm an adulterer. This is what I do. And she began to embrace the brokenness of who she was. Well, church, the text doesn't give us a reason. But I know this. What's that? Guys, that broken people, hurting people, man, have a lot of hurdles in believing in Jesus. And you know what they do? You know what they do when Jesus begins to teach, begins to touch and want to heal your heart? They react the same way this girl does. You go, what's that? They change the subject. You know what I mean? I mean, think about all the subjects. Jesus comes in, they're sitting at a well, should have been easy. He starts talking about her past and her present and who he is, right? And what does she do? She's like, let's change the subject. We're not gonna talk about this anymore, right? Notice verse 19. Then the woman said to him, sir, I perceive you're a prophet. Our fathers worshiped on this mountain and you Jews say in Jerusalem is the place you ought to worship. And Jesus said to her, woman, believe me, the hour is coming when you will neither on this mountain, or Jerusalem, worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We, worship, we know what we worship for salvation is of the Jews. But listen to me, the hour is coming and now is when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. Why? For the Father is seeking such to worship him. God is spirit and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. And the woman said to him, I know the Messiah is coming who is called the Christ, when he comes, he will tell us all things. And I'm going, this is crazy. This is crazy. Why? Because Jesus asks her about her husband. She responds with the truth. I have no husband. Jesus proceeds to tell her about her painful past. I know all about your past. I know you had five husbands. Her reaction at this point is probably tears and snot and pain. And she's like, are you getting me? And what does she do? She changed the subject. <laughs> what are you talking about? Guys, she starts going, wait, 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 wait. You're starting to touch. That hurts. So let's talk about, when. when let, let's let's get off the subject. Let's not talk about husbands. Let's not talk about live-ins. Hey, where should we worship? What church is better? That's what she's, what she, listen, I heard that that church is better. Should we church? Should we, you know, where, where, Jesus, where should I go to church? And she changes the subject. And I'm thinking, wow. But I love that Jesus honors, even though, I mean, he's not like, hey, stick to the subject. Where's your husband? He honors her. And he says, no, no, listen, let's talk about worship in a minute. But but listen, I must have touched a nerve. You've heard it said that if you throw a, a rock in a pack of dogs, the one who yelps the loudest is the one who got hit. You ever hear that? But think about it here she jesus touched a nerve why because we ain't talking about husbands no more we ain't talking about livings we ain't talking about taylor swift no more we ain't shaking it off she's talking she's changing the subject and i wonder why and then i realized that she's she has to deal with something it's called sin and guilt and it's something every one of us has to deal with it's our sin and guilt How did we deal with the past? How do we deal with this guilt that we can't get rid of? What do we do? Jesus is wanting to confront it. I'm wanting to change the subject, so what do we do? Well, I found three techniques that people do when they're often faced with sin and guilt. You go, what's that? The very first thing, let me give you the first one. The first one, guys, is is basically intellectual. When you're faced with sin and guilt, and how do I deal with this? We become very intellectual. You go, what do you mean? We try to think out of our problems. We try to think out of our guilt. You go, what do you mean? Well, we begin to think that the expectations of humanity are too high. Oh, gosh, everybody's doing it. We sort of embrace culture. This is our culture, and so this is what we would do. And so everybody's doing it, and we begin to turn what? We begin to turn vices into virtues, and so we intellectually go, No, everybody's doing it. God's not going to judge me based on a whole. I mean, God's not going to base me individually. He's going to base it on a whole, and the whole world's doing it. I'm okay. That's one way. You know another way, guys? Physical means. This is how we deal with guilt. This is how we deal with sin. It's physical. You go, Well, like, what do you mean? Like, we work out? No. A lot of us, in order to numb, the journey we're on, the life, we tend to use drugs and alcohol. And life is really, really hard. And so what we do is we go, listen, I need, a, I need to escape for a moment. So we, we take some drugs and we take some alcohol. And the problem is, is that we don't, even if we realize, we realize, guys, that, listen, it's still there the next morning, is it not? I just want to be numb. I just want to be numb for a day. I was reading an article, guys, um, on, on, on CBN. And it was about about a woman who got caught up in pornography. And, what, and here's what she said. She said, you know, I started making a lot of money, but I was so guilty. And I would get up in the morning, I'd take off my clothes, I'd have sex for money, and then I'd come back and I would just take drugs just to numb the day. And she said, if I could just get through the day feeling numb. And I was going, but what about the next day? And so a lot of people will do that. You go, Pastor, I don't use drugs or alcohol. Let me give you another one, guys. How about food? A lot of people turn to food to numb the pain of guilt and sin. Food, do you realize that food is a comfort? It's comfort. I mean, it's like, right? Have you ever had a stressful day? And What do you think? I want tacos. <laughs> I mean, you're, seriously, when stress comes out, you're thinking, well, I want something good to eat. That's just stress. Can you imagine the guilt in your life? And you're like, oh, oh. You go, what else? Well, if it's not food or alcohol, drink, there's many, but let me give you this one, talking. Did you realize that? Talking? Yeah. Guys, there are people who never stop talking. They're constantly talking. And the reason why is because if they stop talking, then they'll have to listen. And then they don't want to deal with the the silence or what's being said. They'll have to address the sin and guilt. So if I just keep talking and talking and talking and talking, and blah blah blah, 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 right, right? Have you ever noticed little little ones when, they, when they've when they had a, 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 a rough childhood and they won't settle down or won't stop talking, they'll keep moving and you're just like, why won't this kid settle down? A lot of it is because if they have to, if they stop for just a moment, they'll realize what a horrible situation they're in and they don't want to do that. Well, when it comes to sin and guilt in our lives, guys, that's what a lot of people do. Well, give me give you the third one, okay? First, you have what? Intellectual. Second, you have physical. Third, you have religious. A lot of people become religious. I'm not talking about a relationship with Christ. I'm talking about just being religion. And so what they do is they say, how can I appease God to get rid of this guilt? Oh, I know, I'll go to church. And they'll come to church and they'll give money and they'll say, well, where can I serve? Oh, what charity can I serve? In a religious means. But that's not a relationship with Jesus. That's just being related. And so I want to appease the guilt, and so I'll become religion. Well, here's the thing. This woman recognizes something. Look at verse 25. She recognizes Jesus. She says, I know the Messiah is coming. So what does that mean? She knows that this is coming. He's called the Christ. And when he comes... He's going to tell us all things. And I love what Jesus does. Notice verse 26. He said to her, I who speak to you am he, right? That is equivalent of mic drop. Boom. He just said, why? Because he said, woman, game over. I'm him. Game over. I'm him. It's not about intellectual. It's not about physical. It's not about intimacy. It's not about the relationship you have. It's not about even religion. Where are we going to worship? You need me you need me. You need me. Right here, guys, she has what we call a defining moment. The scales from her eyes have fallen. She sees Jesus. She sees him as the gift. How do you know? Look at her response, right? The woman left her water pot in verse 28 went her way to the city and said to the men. Why would she say to the men? Because right now, she still realizes that the women are still ridiculing and such. So she goes to the men and she says, come see a man who told me all things I ever did. Could this be the Christos, the anointed one? Then they went out of the city And came to him. Guys, her testimony must have been super powerful for men to leave the city and come and see a Jew who they thought was the Christ. Remember what John writes. He says, Some things were written in here, and the things that were written in here so that we can believe. So he doesn't give it all. But we know that something changed at the well. You go, What happens? Guys, the broken image of God is now fixed. The broken image of God is now fixed. How did it happen? It happened right here. It happened at noon, right? It happened at noon in the middle of the desert. Let me close with this guys, get you out of here. It's only Jesus that can mend a broken image. I wonder if this woman, I wonder if this woman thought this is who I am. This is how I was born. I'm an adulterer. I'm an immoral woman, whatever it might be. I wonder if she thought that way. And now Jesus is going to tell her, that's why you need to be born again. You need to be born from above. Notice that this woman didn't say, well, I'm going to have to change. You're going to make me go with those women in the morning. She didn't say any of that, did she? Why? Because all she needed to do is come to Jesus And then Jesus would do the wonderful work. Do you guys see that? All we have to do is come to Jesus and let him do the work. He's not asking you to change. He'll do that work as you follow him. And he'll do it as slow as you need it done or as fast as you need it done. But he does the work. I know it's hard to believe, but back in high school, I had really long hair. And when I got saved, a well-meaning Christian woman told me that now that I was saved, I had to cut my hair because in the Bible, it said that men can't have long hair. And you realize that that could have sent me running the other way. You know, for hair, think about it. What was she saying to me? You have to change. You have to change. You can't be you. And that's farthest. That's the farthest from the truth, church. Jesus died for you. Just the way you are. Pastor, I'm a mess up. I know. Me too. Join the club. We're all mess ups, guys. We're all discounted. But he loves us so much, and he's not asking you to change. He wants to do the change in you. Well, what do I need to do? You need to receive the free gift. You need to receive the free gift. you need to have you need to have the living water. Pastor. I'm scared. I know I was too. What is God going to do? Is he going to make me a pastor? I don't know. But I know this, I have one regret, guys, One, only one regret from coming to Jesus. You go, you do? You know what my regret is, is that I didn't come to him earlier. I had torment and hurt and brokenness, and I didn't need to because Jesus stood there with his arms open wide saying, come on, come on. A lot of you have come in here with a lot of hurts. Will you let Jesus touch that area so he can heal it? Guys, you were created in the wonderful image of God and allow him to restore that. How, Pastor? How? What do I need to do? You need to receive the free gift. Here's what the Bible says. The Bible says if you believe in your heart and confess him with your mouth, you'll be saved. You'll be saved and you'll begin a journey of walking in Jesus. But can I say this to you with as much love as I can muster? Church, listen to me, without him, without Jesus, you're going to be, you're going to be without him. You're going to be separated from him from eternity. And that's, that's, I mean, I mean, you go, Pastor, Pat, Preachers don't speak on hell anymore. No, a lot, of people, a lot of preachers don't speak on hell, but let me tell you what hell is. Even before it's a place, it's being separated with no hope from the God that created you and loved you. And a lot of us go, wow. I didn't know this was, coming to church was such a heavy trip. What it is, guys, is I'm pleading with you to surrender your life once and for all. Surrender and say, yes, I want Jesus. I want to know that I'm born again and I'm free and I want the peace that surpasses all understanding and I want to grow in God's grace. Will you pray with me? Lord, thank you for your word and the truth in your word. Thank you for your great love. Father, I would pray that you would you would honor this prayer that nobody leave here that doesn't know you and has not received a free gift. With every, eye, with, every, with every eye closed and every head bowed, I wonder if there's anybody here that says, "Pastor, I feel like you were speaking to me, and I feel like I don't, I don't have that gift. I feel like I'm, I'm, I'm alone in this world. And I'm not going to lie to you, Pastor. I feel like I am oceans away from Jesus. I don't feel like I'm saved at all. I don't, I don't know." Would you would you just receive the gift that God has given you? Just receive it and let him change you. How, Pastor, what do I need to do? Well, maybe the Lord is speaking to you, and I want to pray for you. Just give me just a minute, okay? With every eye closed and every head bowed, is there anyone here that says, Pastor, pray for me? I want to surrender my life to Jesus. I want to. I want to come clean, right now. Uh, I I'm broken, and I've got sin, and I've got guilt, and I don't know what to do. And Jesus stands with his arms open wide. If that's you, will you lift up your hand? I just want to pray for you. You want to. You want to set. You want to set a brand new, a brand new walk in Jesus today. He followed you all the way to church. There's no mistake. You're here. But you need to surrender. And you go, How? Just lift up your hand. Why do I have to lift up my hand? Because I want God to see your heart. Nobody else is looking around, it's just between you and God. How many of you would say, Pastor, that's me. Would you just lift up your hand right now? Just lift up your hand and I'll pray for you. God bless you, sir. Anyone else? Anyone else? Listen, don't put this off. Please don't put this off. You never know when you're going to have another chance to surrender to God. All you have to do is say, Pastor, that's me. I don't know what to do, but I just want to lift up my hand. I just want you to pray for me. That's all. Is there anyone else? Real quick, anyone else? Father, I thank you, God, that you're saving people and you're loving people and you're growing people. Lord, I just... Thank you. May you continue to do the work in each one of our hearts. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey,
0: this is Pastor Josh.